Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered for impact. Last year, I had the opportunity to do a conference with Divine Renovation in Germany. And Alexandra Castell was one of the people who helped organize that conference. And we got to spend some time together. And it was a blessed time indeed. And he is our guest today. Welcome to the show, Alexandra. Thank you very much. And it's a great honor for me to be part of this show for different reasons, speaking from, to you from Germany yes. and speaking from you from my Lutheran perspective, because I myself am not a Catholic. Yes. So thank you very much for hosting me anyway. <laughs> well, it is our pleasure and honor to have you. And what I think is so cool with your work with Alpha, you also work with Alpha in a Catholic context. Tell us a little bit about how you get stuck with us. <laughs> we, uh, I started to work for Alpha for almost 20 years and on a full-time basis 12 years ago, eight years ago. And when I started, we had a small handful of Catholic churches doing Alpha in Germany. There were only very, very few, and they were very precious to us because there were so few. But the majority of, of Alpha was free church and Protestant. And then you came from Canada for the Divine Renovation Conference in Fulda. That was something that uh, was discovered by a priest from South Germany who was in 2018 for the first time he was on a conference in, in Halifax. Mm. And he brought that back and he discovered Alpha aside. And then he, he and we organized that conference in October 2019, where everything, much of it started. Hmm. We had a conference with some 700 people attending, more than 130 Catholic priests. And this conference, to the glory of God, really made waves in Germany because ever since a, uh, a new network um, came into existence and develops ever since. Mm. And uh, many people in the Catholic Church in Germany take great hope from the impulse of divine renovation for their church, that mm. there is an opportunity to grow, to gain relevance, and to reach people's heart and lead them to Jesus. Give people a perspective of the the Church of Germany and, and 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 from both the Protestant side and the Catholic side. Like for for those of the listeners in North America, Australia, who might not be familiar with Germany, how would you describe the Church's presence in Germany? The Church in Germany has a very long history. It roots back to the, as you know, the cradle of Reformation and the separation of the Christian, of the body of Christ, is 
very close to the place from where I'm talking to you in, in the heart of Germany. And this reformation led to a great division, as you know. And this division was not so much a spiritual differentiation, but a political um, new order for the center of Europe. And so the division into Catholic and, and Protestant was, and I can, I, I can um, see that from my family's history, uh, it divided the whole country into, into two halves with wars and everything you know about that better than I do. And there was no, there were all no, almost no bridges between the two denominations, between Catholics and Protestants. And I stand, as a, as a person, I stand as an example for that. I was brought in a, up in a family that turned to Lutheranism in the year 1546. So we took almost the very first chance to become separated. And ever since, my family was very, we were very, very good Lutherans, which means very strong in opposition to everything that was Catholic. Um, I'm very sorry for that looking back, but for quite a few years of my own life, this conviction lived in myself. So to give you an understanding, we had, a, we had several aspects of, of Catholic practice, which we completely reviewed, refused. There was, um, for example, we, if we would ever attend a Catholic mass, we wouldn't, we wouldn't need. We would stand when everybody was kneeling just to make clear that we are not Catholics. And we took some pride from that. And there were other um, aspects, even worse. And the worst thing was that we completely refused the, the adoration for the mother of our Savior, Lord Jesus, Mary. We declared Mary to be Catholic, and so no relevance for us. We had her on, on Christmas in the, in the cradle. In, in the crash, yeah. Yeah. Yep. But um, there was no other, no, other, no other contact. She wouldn't show up in any, in any of, as far as I remember, in any of our sermons or church services. And that made me hard. I was, uh, my, my own family called me the one who eats Catholics because I was so um, caught in these convictions. Mm. And when you say eats, that can mean a lot of things to us in North America. And so does that mean you're devouring them because of your your dislike, or did that mean that you were curious and, and you would chew on some of their teaching because you were curious? It was a, something between pity. We knew it better. We as Lutherans, we knew how Christian faith 
had to look like. Right. And everybody who didn't, we looked at him over the shoulder and said, take your time, but come up to the level where we are already since 1546, mm -hmm. as I said. And that is a very, very bad attitude. To cut it short, uh, I have five brothers and sisters, and today four of my brothers and sisters are married with Catholics. And 32 of the grandchildren of my parents are also Catholic. My own daughter is married to a Catholic and converted. So my three, two of my three grandchildren are Catholic. So the whole thing came in. It's a too long a story to tell it in, in detail. Mm -hmm. But um, we, we came across it. We had, we, we we um we, we had good uh catholics the catholic church came into our family and we we adopted it i myself i'm still protestant but i have a wide open heart for the catholic church today which is um thank uh, um, I had an experience in a, in a Catholic church in the, in the Cathedral of Erfurt, which you don't know. It's the bishop's place close to, to my, my home. And I was going there for an organ concert, and I was late. And the only place I found was in the first row in front of the altar with the back to the organ, with the back, my back to the organ. And I looked at that picture on that on that altar, and it was Ascension of Mary, something that would have caught my contradiction immediately, a few yeah. a short time before, and it didn't. I was completely uh, I was completely calm, and then I heard a, a, a physical voice from the side where nobody else was sitting, telling me, Alexander, if the Lord is almighty, then he can lift the mother of his son physically into heaven. Who are you to judge on that? Woo. And I looked around and I didn't see anybody, but I heard that voice very clearly. And as you can imagine, <laughs> I, I thought a lot about that. And that was about two years before we had our encounter in in Fulda with that conference. So that was my, um, yeah, call it conversion. It's, it's, um, oh. it, it made my, my heart weak. Wow. Revelation is a powerful reality and, and so much of it is given to us through Holy scripture and tradition. And, and every now and again, God will get our attention and he just, can cut right through our right to our heart, can't he? Wow. And that's what it takes. That's what I learned. That I go on to other other churches, other denominations. First of all, with interest, not with my not with my raised finger, telling them this and that should be changed, but expecting a surprise and to learn from the others and to 
to honor them, and to honor them more than myself. Mm. And that's what I'm still, I'm still in the state of learning, not placing myself as the, the degree assi- that I give the size. Yeah. 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 That's so beautiful. And that's, wow. So when it comes to your work with Alpha, and so, like you say, there's a, only I remember getting involved with Alpha 20 years ago and, <laughs> and we were that, actually the, the podcast that was released this morning was with the pastor who invited me to be a part of that Alpha conference as a Catholic. And we were the first Catholics to be a part of it in Atlanta, Canada. And, and they were so happy to see us because they'd been praying for us. These other traditions and denominations had been praying for the Catholics for years because they recognized that, you know, because Alpha's Alpha in and of itself is, is, is not what we celebrate. It's, it, it's the heart of evangelization that we celebrate. And Alpha is just the tool that we use to make that, to, to bring that to life. And the fact that, Catholics oftentimes aren't particularly good at it, and in many cases don't even try. Um, that, I think, was at the heart of their prayer for us. And so when we came, they were so happy, but they were like a wounded bird. They <laughs> didn't want to crush it. It's like a weak little flicker of a flame. They didn't want it to blow out. They wanted to, to, um, for that to grow. And I, and I guess really it grew and I talked to Father James and invited him to do Alpha because boy, that guy turned a flickering flame into a roaring furnace almost single-handedly with his book, Divine Renovation and, and the, the conferences that would follow. And, and thankfully, thankfully, because of the broader church who has prayed for us as Catholics and, and who have been generous beyond belief, you know, here you are a Lutheran in Germany doing Alpha in a Catholic context to help support those people like me 20 years ago who was just trying to help a local parish maybe start to invite people who are away from God home. And and so thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your persistence. We love it. You've been asking about the, about the situation of the Catholic Church. I told you that we had only a small handful of Alpha courses in the Catholic context uh, eight to ten years ago. And since Fulda 2019, the, conference, the Divine Renovation Conference, we have one quarter of our 1,000 Alpha courses in German. So about 200, 250 Catholic courses running in Germany. And that is an absolutely an absolute uh, overwhelming uh, gift. It's not a result of our work. It's just a. It when you and, and the team with Father James when you came to Germany, it was the Kairos moment for the Catholic Church for the for the ones who are willing to mm-hmm. to contribute to renovation, um, and it just went through the roof. Mm-hmm. We had a small um, decrease, not a decrease, but a, a flattening of the curve, mm-hmm. according to Corona, <laughs> uh, in, in yeah. those times. Uh, but now we are digital. We are online with Alpha, and um, it's just going on. It's it continues in that. 
to our surprise. And we thank God for it. I was, uh, I remember when that happened and, and, you know, I was quick personally to get on board with taking Alpha online because in one sense, I've always wanted to do it because I have so many friends who don't live close to me, who trust me, who I thought maybe they'll do Alpha online. doesn't take as long. They don't have to go to a church. They don't have to physically live close. And, and I thought that would be the tool that might just engage them in a conversation really about what they value and what they believe. And now it's done a, it's been an, it didn't work for me. <laughs> Alpha online did. It just, I wasn't able to get to my friends who I've just been praying for for years, who I love so much. I'm not going to stop trying. I promise you that Alexander, whether it's physical or online, I'll never stop trying, but boy, it has been so successful in reaching people who otherwise wouldn't have come to a physical alpha. And so as I'm planning this season at the church that I'm going to be going to shortly, uh, we're going to be running it in person and online. And I really see myself doing that for the rest of eternity until Jesus comes again, because I think they complement each other so well. What are your thoughts? I'm 66 of age, so I was a bit, uh, I have an apology for not being on the front line with the digital renovation. <laughs> and I was a bit skeptic too, because um, of all the arguments that have been exchanged. But um, now I see that we have the same, in numbers, the same impact as we had before with the, with the life courses. Uh, for example, we had to train to train the the parishes, uh, we offered them to, to execute an Alpha Online course nationwide. We called it all Alpha for All and invited all the parishes known, and many of them responded positively. And at the end, we had 1,600 uh, registered in that course. And some 1,350 came, made it until the end. And we did it together with the with the parish with the registered parishes, yes. uh, so that they they could learn how to handle a Zoom and a, a breakout room and all that. Yes. And we hope and pray that this will continue. But on the other hand, from my generation's perspective, there is a a big hope that we might soon return to the to the. Uh, Live ones, cookbook, yeah, <laughs> like uh, courses. But on the other hand, we shouldn't miss the 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 innovation that mm. that will come with a with a pandemic. Amen. The church after the pandemic will not be the same. Mm. It will be in the in the core. It will be the same as ever, but in the in the tentacles reaching out for the for. For church members, it will be different. Yes. Yeah. I think the new norm is, is, is going to be new and improved. Like, I really believe post-COVID is going to be the most exciting part of my life. Because I don't think we'll ever take relationships for granted again, gatherings together again. I don't think we'll take worship for granted again. I don't think we'll take concerts for granted again. You know, I really believe that the post-pandemic reality has the potential 
to be new and improved, where we'll love each other better, we'll, we'll appreciate each other more. That's my hope. Because, you know, just like the Great Depression in North America, the stock market crashed in the 20s, and that whole generation never wasted money again. <laughs> they valued money, they valued savings, and they, they saved something for a rainy day. They were changed. And I'm hoping mm-hmm. post-COVID globally we're changed as we relate to one another. And I, I think there's I think the new norm is a new and improved norm. That's my hope. Yeah. But um it will not come overnight. So we are still in that that shifting process. Yeah. Only yesterday. Yesterday I was in a Lutheran church which was desacred. Yes. So yep. they took away, they, they found out that nobody shows up for the service, church services. We have not enough, enough priests to hold regular services there. So we closed that church down. And that was a, I've never ever experienced that before. At the very end, they took all, they took out the chandeliers and the, the, the silver stuff and brought it outside. And that was the end of that church building. Mm. And which existed for 130 years at that very place. And um, this is still the, the official trend of the churches in Germany, that they're, they decrease. They're losing numbers. They're losing influence. They're losing attractivity. Through their, people don't uh, go so much with organ music. In the 21st century, and uh, many of our church leaders are just speechless. They don't know how to to respond to that. And what we do is to offer them alpha and say, "This is something you can implement as a tool to renew your church life." But that is a very, very steep trench between the traditional still the traditional church and and all these different efforts to renew the church but be it in the catholic be it in the lutheran church it's about the same but we are called for hope and for confidence and so um um this morning, I was asked by someone who, who who said, "My my my priest in my my parish is not willing to start with Alpha. What can I do? What can I do to to move him?" And say, "Get on your knees and pray for him. You cannot do anything, but you can support this process spiritually by by promoting your wish and desire." to the Almighty, and he will, he will answer, and he will do it. It's tough. It's, uh, I, I see that happen, and you know, it's no different in North America in, in some senses. It is different, but there are some similarities. And I guess people wanting more, you know, especially parents, because they're watching their kids fall away from faith at a record level, and and. And if there's not much going on in your church that engages young people in a way that speaks their language and connects with them as a parent, it's terrifying. 
because you're doing everything you can, you're dragging them to church, your kids aren't interested and, and less and less of their classmates are going to church. And we're watching this, this post-Christian era really take hold. And we're already in it. We've been in it for a while, but, but then if you're the leader of your church doesn't even seem to care about the things you care for, that can be hard. And oftentimes it's probably Alexander, the number one question I get asked when I travel and speak is what do I do if my priest isn't interested? And it's interested in what, because if they're, you know, because when we come at alpha as a product, it's really easy to say no to. And I'd always encourage people, don't come at people with alpha, like honest to goodness, like don't do that. Ask them what their hopes and dreams are for the parish. Ask them about their faith journey and how they came to know Jesus. Ask them what they want for those that don't know Jesus and, and, and where their heart is with that. Don't pitch alpha as the first thing you're talking about. That is, that's a great way to kill a conversation and make sure that priest never wants to use alpha as long as they live. Like, it's like, I care what you do. I don't care who you are. Care about who these leaders are. Get to know their dreams, their hopes, their faith, their disappointments, and how you can collaborate with them to, to reach the loss and to serve the least. And, and Alpha is all it is is a tool for that. And if there's a better tool, use the other tool. But for heaven's sakes, count. Like make sure that we're measuring fruitfulness when it comes to transforming new lives. And if you try something else and it doesn't work, well, that's okay. Uh, try again and or try something else. But alphas, that's all it is. Like it's not, it's not the silver bullet for a church. I've seen all kinds of churches run alpha, get really excited about it, not address the underlying issue of leadership. Uh, people who will go to the alpha in their church go to it. People really don't invite. Less and less people come. People lose interest and they're off to the next program. And so basically it was borderline useless. And so alpha is not the silver bullet. Jesus is the silver bullet. Amen. <laughs> and alpha just facilitates a relationship. But if you don't have a vision beyond alpha, I'm telling you, alpha will run its course and you'll be off to the next thing. And so alpha is a small piece of a bigger puzzle in the Catholic context. And we have to wrap our heads around the, the bigger puzzle. And when we do that, Alpha has a really, really, really exciting, transformative, and important role to play. But if we don't wrap our heads around the other pieces in terms of next steps and leadership and learning to lead differently. We are very glad that more and more Catholic bishops in Germany discover the, the necessity of evangelization and missionary uh, activities. Mm. But on the other hand, there is a, uh, a fight going on in the German Catholic Church from the other side who, are, who want to form what they call a synodal way, a new, um, a new direction for the Catholic Church in Germany. And um, you do not read much in the press, but it seems so that there are heavy discussions going on between Rome and, and the German Catholic Bishops' Conference. And um, the traditional 
bishops in Germany, they are in the majority are open for Alpha and for re-evangelization of the church. And the reform part is uh, has other priorities, unfortunately. And this um, this struggle is is going deep and needs a lot of prayer that the a lot of prayer for unity of the of the German Catholic Church, because there is an outspoken part who wants to go the the same way that we Protestants went five hundred years ago. If you look at the the, the German the, the 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 Lutheran churches, there's a lot of blessing upon the church, but there are also a lot of misdevelopments in in this church, and it's not a it's not a recommendation to take the same way, by far not. And but it's not not a not a topic to to talk about as a non-involved. Um, um, what do they say? From the uh, f- from the side, it's uh, it's a topic for prayer that the the church as a whole finds the way onto each other. One of the things that I found surprising, just just culturally wasn't aware, is is in Germany. Uh, somebody said, asked me, do you know who the number one employer is in Germany? Now, I don't know if this is true or not. You tell me. It is. And they said, it's the Catholic Church. I'm like, what? Like, yeah, the number one employer in Germany is the Roman Catholic Church. Who's the number? Well, who do you think the number two employer is? I'm like, I don't know thinking maybe the Lutheran church. I don't know. And they said, no, it's the Catholic charity. And so the top two employers in Germany are the Catholic church and Catholic charities. And so my understanding was that people are going to school to get an education, to get jobs. And because the biggest employer is the Catholic church, they're studying theology, even though some of them might not necessarily believe in God so that they can get a good job. And then they get positions within the church and they may not even have faith. They, and so, but they have the education. And mm-hmm. so I thought to myself, I, I, I couldn't even imagine or dream of a, of a situation where that would even be remotely, I, I, I couldn't even dream up of that situation. Is that true? Like, is that? I cannot confirm that the, the church is the largest employer, but by far are the, the, the both Catholic and Lutheran charities Diaconie or Caritas, we call them. Uh, they are close to half a million employed in Germany, and that is um, not of so much influence on the society as much as you might expect, because we in only twenty years ago it was. Conditio sine qua non to be employed at charity that you are a church member yourself, and they they had to dismiss that uh, that argument because they wouldn't be able to to find enough people to work for them. And the same thing is in in my uh, Lutheran church. So there, it is a is a solid part of 
German welfare state, state yes, mm. but not on um, hardly no effects on the on on church life. That is is in parallel this mm. development. I remember to our time there in Germany, just learning about and even in preparation for going there. Father James was just you know, updating me and filling me in on what he knew to be true. And, and that is because of the way German, the church in Germany is set up is that taxes get um, taken off just like in Canada or the U S I'm sure. But if you're Catholic, then part of that church, part of that money, a part of it goes back to the church. And so churches are funded through tax revenue that's collected nationally. And, and in which case, not a lot of people give regularly in the collection because they, autom- they automatically give. And so what was happening, from what I understand, is that less and less people are going to church, but it doesn't impact them financially. And so the churches are beautiful, they're clean, they're well looked after, and they're empty. Right. And there are not too few voices in Germany who say the, the biggest blessing for the church would be the abolishment of the church tax system so that the, the church really has to, to look for its own, uh, lift its hands up to the Lord and ask for provision and not having the, the provision as um, take it as given. And our priests in Germany seem to be, and, and the, the Lutheran pastors as well, seem to be paid very well. This is, um, there's a relation to the official uh, state employees. And so there is no, uh, yeah, the, the, the church is well in Germany still. And the, uh, the, the wealth of the church is still, still rising. I have no no position to that, right? Um, because so many churches do very very good things, and we have the they have the hospitals and uh, uh, schools, kindergarten, right. and all that schools, mm-hmm. and that is a great blessing for the for the for the nation that especially children are brought up in a Christian uh, surrounding. Mm-hmm. Um, But it will, it will change within the next 10 years. There's no doubt about that. Right. Yeah. Change is coming one yeah. way or the other. Well, again, being there at Volta with you guys, and, uh, the, the conference was sold out apparently way ahead of time. And the enthusiasm and the passion and the people and the heart and the worship and the spirit it was electrifying for me. Like I was so blessed by the people in Germany, by my time there, by the sense of hope and passion. And we did a, we have Father James and I were with the priests for a whole day. I was with them in the afternoon because I had to be at the Alpha event the, in the morning. And and the priests just loved them. Uh, there was the people that came to that anyway, just had this incredible hunger and hope. And it was such a blessing for me 
to be with you guys and to be with you personally as we journeyed through that weekend together. Um, it, it was, I still keep in touch with a couple of people from that, several people actually from that conference as a result of the friendships made there. And so it just gave me a deeper love and appreciation for the universality of our church. And, and, and so for those that are listening in different parts of the world, I hope they pray for Germany and, and, and unity and not only between Protestants and Catholics, but between traditional Catholics and reforming Catholics and, 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 and the priesthood that needs to find new ways to do things that are important because they're wealthy and, and, and yet empty. And, you know, I hope that people's hearts will break for the things that break the heart of Jesus, right? Like when our, our hearts need to be broken for the things that break Jesus's heart. And when that, when that unity comes, great things can happen. Amen. The German church on both sides is not very um, familiar with something like success or positive development since the last, let's say, uh, many years. Mm. Because it's all decline and getting smaller and fewer and less money at the end. But with divine renovation, there is an, uh, an alpha about the same. You can see a positive development in a within the church, and we gain influence and relevance, and people and, and attractivity, and people come to say we we want that what you have, mm. and that is is very very precious, and we are very grateful to be part of that of that mission and of that experience. And we want to go on with it, hand in hand with our Catholic brothers and sisters. I tell you that the, the, the opening Holy Mass in Fulda at that conference, the two-day conference we had with Divine Renovation, I have a, we, had a, we have a very devoted team in Alpha, about 15 people working part and full-time. And there are some free church people in that. And we had that that mass with 130 priests moving in from with a full organ sound and smoke rising up, and it was it was a um, it, it was wonderful. And we had our free church uh, experienced team standing aside, and they stood there with open mouth, and they said, "We have never ever experienced such a thing." because we've never been before in a Catholic church service. Mm. And just to, and this is not a, not a, a singular um, um, moment. That is how we are in Germany. We are deeply divided by, mm. by tradition. Mm. And if we try, if we find a way to, to enter each other's church, and prayer life, and and uh, get close to them in in their in their spiritual life. We we experience that as an as um we're getting richer by that. We don't have to to forget about anything which is precious to us us, but we the the amount of of spiritual wealth, whatever you call it, yes. is getting is getting bigger. 
this is this is really um this is moving me deep and um it is very very precious i love that i love that i hope that is htb having their leadership conference again in 2022 yes they are yeah i hope to see you there i hope so too and, and I hope the world comes with us because it's there's nothing like worshiping Jesus in a ginormous setting with people from all different traditions and denominations as they raise up the name of Jesus. Amen. It breaks down a lot of barriers. It breaks down a lot of pride. It heals a lot of brokenness. And it puts our sights back on what's most important, and that is Jesus. Amen to that, Ron. As we as we wrap up, um, what would you want people to take away today about Germany um, and about the church? What would you like them to know, and how would you like them to pray? I ask you to pray for the unity of the body of Christ in Germany. And in the whole world, but the division is what I feel deeper and harder than in other some other parts of the world. And if we can reverse that reformation process from 1517 in a way that we stand side by side in full acknowledgement of the of the other and not in superstition in suspiciousness yeah yeah Mm. Uh, this is really the the wish of my heart that we go step by step and person by person and generation by generation um, onto to what is unknown to us to experience that it's water from the same fountain that's what i wish amen and i also continue to pray for all the great work that father james and divine renovation continue to do it really does set a fire and a blaze in countries and uh and in their collaboration with alpha just great things can happen and continue to happen and so lord thank you for what you're doing keep doing it and I hope to see you, my friend, and a bunch of other wonderful Germans in, uh, in London in 2022. Thank you very much. God bless. Goodbye. God bless you. I find God has been busy breaking down walls of division and bringing about unity. I seem to notice it more when I take the time to also be a bridge builder. If you've not tried Alpha yet, go to alpha.org and find a course near you. If you have done Alpha, make sure you're getting involved in your local church to make it great and invite your friends to give Jesus another try. Thanks for listening this week, guys. Check us out at ronhuntley.com and let me know if there's anything that I can do for you and your leaders to make your church amazing. God bless. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.